Hi, good afternoon once again. My name is Natalie Cole from the marketing team at Dickerson Insurance Services. We are very happy you could join us for today's webinar titled Medicare Deep Dive 2022. Few things to keep in mind, or actually just one thing to keep in mind. Um, if you have any questions, please enter them in the lower right-hand um, corner of your screen, and we will answer them at the conclusion of this presentation. Now for today's presenter. Today's presenter is Ms. Judy Daniels, who is the California Director of Sales and Recruitment for Berwick Insurance Group. She has been a licensed life and health professional for 14 years, with a focus on Medicare. Prior to her current role with Berwick Insurance Group, she served as agent manager for United Healthcare in the Los Angeles County and Pacific, and Pacific Central Coast regions for four years. During that time, she also led the training team and was a subject matter on ex, was a subject matter expert on Medicare, Medi-Cal, CalMedi Connect, and Extra Health with Part D. That's an impressive bio, Judy. How are you this afternoon? Thank you, Natalie. I'm good. I'm good. And uh, always a pleasure to help our Dickerson Insurance Service partners uh, in, in learning about Medicare and all of the current stuff going on with it. So my pleasure. And we'll get going here. So today's subject is a Medicare deep dive for 2022. And um, just to let you guys know that over my 14 years in working in Medicare, uh, I've walked in your shoes. I have uh, you know, helped clients. I've been a broker. Um, I've helped people by going to the Social Security office with them to uh, help them get their Medicare when English was a second language. I've done all sorts of things. And over that process of 14 years, I've learned a lot so that you don't have to make the same mistakes and step into the same uh, potholes that I did when I was a broker. So uh, it's with that that I wanna give you this Medicare deep dive today. It's information that you will not learn during AHIP and it's information that you sometimes don't even learn from a carrier. Uh, this is based on my personal experience and also what is out there right now information-wise. So what is Medicare? Um, Medicare is health insurance for people who are 65 and older, or they're under 65 and have Medicare because of certain disabilities. So for example, if somebody's receiving social security disability, not state disability, but social security disability for 24 consecutive months, they qualify for Medicare in their 25th month of disability, no matter what age they are. It can also be somebody who um, is any age with end-stage renal disease. So those folks qualify for Medicare no matter what their age if they are in their fourth month of dialysis. And then people who are any age who have amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, also known as ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, they also will qualify for Medicare, but in their case, they qualify in their first month of diagnosis of the ALS. Why? Because quite frankly, they're going to die. Uh, they'll only be expected to live a year or two beyond that diagnosis. So um, those are people who will have Medicare, either at 65 and older or under 65. And Medicare is administered by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. But you don't apply for Medicare 
through Medicare. You apply for Medicare through Social Security. We'll get into that in a few minutes. Please note that to get Part A and or Part B Medicare, you do have to be either a U.S. citizen or a legal resident of the United States for five consecutive years. So that's absolutely true what you're reading. You do not have to be a U.S. citizen in order to get your Medicare, but you do have to be a legal resident for at least five consecutive years and be over age 65. So there are four parts to Medicare. There's part A, which is your hospital insurance, which covers you when you're an inpatient in the hospital. Part B is your medical insurance, which covers you for your outpatient services. Part D, as in drug, is your Medicare prescription drug coverage through Medicare. And then there's part C. A lot of folks have always said, Judy, I know what part A and part B is. I know what D is, but where's C? They skipped over it. Well, they didn't skip over it. It actually is Medicare Advantage plans like HMOs or PPOs. And those actually include the Part A and Part B benefits and Part D coverage as well as some other extras. So that's the A, B, C, and D of Medicare. The federal government loves the alphabet. <clears throat> so automatic enrollment in Part A and Part B, that actually does take effect for somebody um, if they are already uh, receiving their Social Security benefits. So as you may or may not know, you can actually start receiving your Social Security at age 62 and a half. So Medicare and Social Security assumes that if you are receiving Social Security prior to age 65, you're not still working. Well, well, you know what they say about assuming, right? So in that case, uh, you would receive an initial enrollment period package. It's mailed three months prior to your 65th birthday or the 25th month of Social Security disability benefits. And that does also include the Medicare card. But let's say somebody is drawing Social Security but is still working and has group health coverage. Well, you don't have to accept Medicare Part B yet, and you don't have to have that Medicare Part B premium come out of your Social Security check. Instead, you could return it to refuse Part B. Just follow the instructions on the back of the red, white, and blue Medicare card. You'll see on the back here, there's a space for you to check a box. I do not want medical insurance. You check that box and then you sign it, and then you send it back to the address that's over there underneath the CMS logo. Or you can keep your Medicare card and accept Medicare Part A and Part B, and the Part B Medicare premium will start coming out of your Social Security check on the effective date. Now, you will notice that the front of the Medicare card does have an arbitrary computer-generated Medicare claim number now. Uh, it was only five years ago that we just got these computer-generated numbers. Prior to that, people had their actual Social Security numbers on these cards. That was kind of scary. A lot of identity theft happened then. So now we're feeling a lot more safe having those computer-generated numbers. No rhyme or reason to them. They're just generated by a computer arbitrarily. So when enrollment isn't automatic, if somebody is turning 65, they have not been already getting their Social Security benefits because they've been working and so on, um, then you do need to enroll with Social Security. 
And you can do it one of three ways. You can actually visit the website for Social Security at www.ssa.gov, or a person can call the toll-free number for Social Security to apply. And that's 1-800-772-1213. As a matter of fact, now you don't have to sit there with your phone up to your ear for an hour to an hour and a half. You can actually leave a callback number and they'll call you back when your time comes up in the queue. The third way is to visit the local Social Security office. But with the advent of COVID, unfortunately, most of the Social Security offices are still closed after these two years, but some of them are open for appointments and it's for urgent matters only. So you could possibly go to the local Social Security office. The best thing to do is to call them to find out if they are actually open for everybody. Most of the time they're going to tell you that you do have um, to have an appointment and it has to be for an urgent matter. Uh, the very best way is to go to the Social Security website and apply online. But if you're getting down to the wire, please do call them and um, have your client or your prospect call Social Security to apply over the phone. Now, if somebody's retired from the railroad, they will have a railroad retirement board card and a railroad retirement uh, board plan, which looks very much like a red, white, and blue Medicare card, except it will say railroad retirement board on it. And those folks can call the local Railroad Retirement Board office or the toll-free number that you see here on the screen. Again, you should apply three months before you turn 65. You don't have to be retired, by the way, to get your Medicare. You can still be working way past age 65 if you'd like to, but it's also a lot less expensive to get your Medicare than some of the group health plans that are out there. And I know that I'm talking to perfect audience in Dickerson Insurance Services agents. So again, um, there are different times to enroll in Medicare. And the very first one is to enroll during this initial enrollment period, which is a seven month window that circles around your 65th birthday month. So it begins three months before the 65th birthday month, includes the month that a person turns 65 and ends three months after they turn 65. Now, if you enroll three months before the 65th birthday month or the month of, then it uh, will take effect either the first of that birthday month or if you enroll during the month of the birthday, it'll take effect the first of the following month. If, however, you wait until the month after your 65th birthday, then your start date is delayed two months <clears throat> from that date. So it's really best for people to uh, do this prior to their 65th birthday month if they're not going to have any other creditable coverage like an employer group health plan that they're going to stay on. A person can also enroll in premium free part A anytime after this initial enrollment period begins. Premium free Part A means that you have worked at least 10 years or 40 quarters paying into FICA taxes, those FICA taxes through payroll deduction. Um, that's how you get your Medicare Part A free of charge. And that's going to be true for most everybody out there. But there are some folks who don't qualify for free Part A. So other folks can in only enroll in Part B or that premium Part A during the initial enrollment period and other limited times. 
In addition to that, you may also have a penalty if you don't enroll in Medicare Part B or Premium Part A during this initial enrollment period. So there are certain times that people have to be aware of uh, when they're getting near to their 65th birthday. So if a person doesn't sign up for Part B or Part A that has a premium to it during this initial enrollment period, they would then have to wait for the Medicare general enrollment period to enroll in their Medicare. And that's January 1st to March 31st annually, each year. Unfortunately, it then does not start the very next month. To the contrary, it wouldn't start until July 1st. So you're going to have even a larger gap of time if you miss that initial enrollment period and have to wait for the general enrollment period to enroll in Medicare. In addition to that, a person may have to pay a penalty. A late enrollment penalty for Part A is 10% of the Part A premium for twice the number of years that they didn't have Part A, full years. And then they pay that for, for twice that number of years, and then it goes away. For Part B, there's also a late enrollment penalty that's also based on 10% for each of the 12 months that person was eligible but didn't enroll in Part B. And unfortunately, that late enrollment penalty for Part B is a lifetime late enrollment penalty that does not go away. So as you can see, the federal government definitely wants a person to enroll in their Medicare unless they have other creditable coverage. So there is a special enrollment period for Part A if it has a premium and the Part B. Most people don't qualify for an SEP. They have to have employer group health plan coverage based on active current employment of themselves or their spouse in order to qualify for this Medicare special enrollment period. So what the Medicare special enrollment period um, entails is uh, somebody who is covered under this employer group health plan can actually enroll in Medicare anytime they're still covered by that plan. Sometimes it is beneficial to have Medicare in addition to the employer group health plan. Or within eight months of the loss of coverage of um, uh, their current health plan or for current employment, whichever happens first. So if somebody were to retire over age 65, they can then get their Medicare within eight months and have no late enrollment penalty. Let's say that they're terminated, they're fired, or laid off. They can also get their Medicare within eight months and not have a late enrollment penalty. Let's say that the employer says, oh, I can't afford this employer group health plan any longer. I'm going to de deactivate it. Well, that's the case. You also have an eight-month period where you can get your Medicare and not pay a late enrollment penalty. So it is possible to do that. Let's say that you're working beyond age 65 and you've determined that it's a very expensive premium that comes out of your paycheck every two weeks to have this employer group health plan. And it would be a lot less expensive to have your Medicare Part B premium and a plan to go with it. Well, absolutely, you can disenroll from that employer group health plan at any time. I want you to note though, this is very important for you folks at Dickerson because you understand these employer group health plans better than anybody. Retiree and COBRA coverage isn't considered active employment and therefore 
retirement and COBRA coverage is not going to be what they call creditable coverage. So if somebody has retiree plan or COBRA coverage, they will have a late enrollment penalty when they go to get their Medicare. So if you know anybody who's on COBRA past age 65, please talk to them about getting their Medicare because their the clock is ticking and they're going to incur that late enrollment penalty. So when that employer or union coverage ends, um, a person might get a chance to elect COBRA, the Consolidated Omnibus Budget Reconciliation Act. But again, it's not credible coverage, so a person will incur a Medicare late enrollment penalty if they're Medicare eligible. But they might get a special enrollment period in certain circumstances if a full eight months has not gone by yet. So they need to get that Medicare Part B ASAP. Now, there is also a Medigap open enrollment period that starts when a person uh, is 65 years of age and signs up for Part B. So once that Part B effective date starts, within the first six months of that Part B effective date, they would be able to get a Medicare supplement, also known as a Medigap plan, with no medical underwriting. Unfortunately, if six months goes by after they get their Medicare Part B and they're 65 or older, then they lose that guaranteed issue and they would then have medical underwriting. So very important for people to keep in mind these different time frames that they have to um, enroll in certain plans. So let's do a little deeper dive into Medicare Part A. Again, this is called hospital insurance coverage, and it actually says hospital insurance on the Medicare card next to Part A. It is uh, for people who are admitted as an inpatient in the hospital. That's when Part A covers you. So it'll help cover inpatient hospital care, inpatient skilled nursing facility care, uh, inpatient blood, any blood that you receive as an inpatient, home health care. Now that's not custodial care, that's going to be care if you have uh, an open wound and need wound care, or you need a um, registered nurse to come in to give you IV fluids or injections. That's the home health care that they're talking about. Part A Medicare also covers hospice care. Now it's not gonna pay for a facility for hospice, it's not gonna pay for somebody to be there around the clock with your loved one who's who's got hospice, Instead, it's only going to pay for some basic hospice care, which includes end-of-life counseling, nutrition, maybe they need a feeding tube, <clears throat> hygiene, perhaps they get three sponge baths per week. Those are the things that hospice will be covered for with Medicare. So keep that in mind. And paying for Medicare Part A, well, again, most people don't pay a premium for Part A. So if folks paid their Federal Insurance Contributions Act or FICA taxes at least 10 years or 40 quarters, there's no premium for Part A. However, if they paid into FICA taxes less than 10 years, maybe they were on a um, uh, school um, plan that uh, had a pension and that, that school board did not collect FICA taxes because there was a pension and medical insurance. Um, then that person may not have 10 years and might have to pay for the Medicare Part A. They won't get it free. Perhaps somebody migrated later in life to the United States so they can be near their children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Uh, they never worked a day of their life in the United States. They can still buy their Medicare Part A. 
um, once they're 65 years of age and have been a legal resident for five consecutive years. Um, so a person can pay a premium to get Part A if they've worked at least 30 quarters, but less than 39 quarters, then they can buy their Medicare Part A for $274 a month. If they worked less than 30 quarter hours, all the way down to none at all, then they would pay $499 per month for their Medicare Part A premium in 2022. And that does go up every year. But that would be a lot less than some of the Obamacare or marketplace plans that are out there when you're 65 years of age and older, much less expensive. Now, a person might have a penalty if they don't enroll when they're first eligible for premium Part A, if they don't get it free of charge. Again, as we mentioned earlier, that monthly premium might go up 10%, and they'll have to pay a higher premium for twice the number of years that they could have had Part A but didn't sign up for it. Now, let's talk about hospital care, inpatient hospital care, that Medicare Part A pays for. So it's going to pay for semi-private rooms, meals, general nursing care, drugs that are part of the inpatient treatment, hospital services and supplies, even that $75 box of Kleenex that you get billed for. Basically, anything, any tests, any meals, anything at all that's done in the hospital while you're admitted as an inpatient is going to be covered under Medicare Part A. And there are benefit periods. So benefit periods measure the use of inpatient hospital and skilled nursing facility care. It begins the first day that you receive inpatient care in either a hospital or a skilled nursing facility. And that benefit period will then end when you haven't been in the hospital or skilled nursing facility for at least 60 days in a row. You would pay the Part A deductible for each benefit period. So when you're admitted, you got to pay that Part A deductible. And in 2022, this year, it's been $1,556. So imagine if you're being admitted as an inpatient to the hospital, you go to that business office and you can pay $1,556 to them. Ouch. Okay. There's no limit to the number of benefit periods you can have, by the way. So let's say that you're admitted, you pay your $1,556 and you're there in the hospital. And let's say that you're discharged a week later. If you then go back in within a few weeks, you're not gonna have that Part A deductible again because you're still in that benefit period because 60 days in a row haven't gone by. So you're back in the hospital, but you're not having to pay that deductible again. But let's say that three months goes by and then you're readmitted to the hospital. Uh-oh, now you've got to pay another $1,556 again. Again, remember there's no limit to that number of benefit periods you can have. So technically, if you really took it down to the 60 days in a row after discharge, you could technically have five or six benefit periods in a year. That's a lot of money. By the way, there's no maximum annual out-of-pocket for original Medicare. Mm -hmm. So you can keep spending that money every benefit period. Once you've paid that deductible, by the way, you then have to look at the number of days that you're in the hospital. So the first 60 days, day one through 60, once you pay that deductible, you'd pay zero copay for each day in the hospital up to day 60. But once you start with day 61, 
all the way to day 90, now you're paying $389 per day. Ouch. And then if you're even very unlucky and you have to start day 91 to day 150, you're going to pay $778 per day. And that's 60 lifetime reserve days. Then all days after 150, you're going to pay 100% of all of the cost as an inpatient in the hospital. Again, no annual maximum amount of pocket for Medicare, so that's all out of your pocket. And skilled nursing facility care also has some required conditions. So let's say that you don't still need the hospital level of care to stay in the hospital, but the doctor says that you can't go home yet. There's nobody home to help you or you need some extra rehab. So they want you to go to a skilled nursing facility for maybe a week or two. Well, first of all, you have to require daily skilled services, not just long-term care or custodial care because Medicare doesn't pay for long-term care or custodial care. In addition to needing daily skilled services, though, you also have to have been admitted as an inpatient in the hospital for three nights plus the day of discharge or longer. If you're only in for one night, Medicare is not going to cover a skilled nursing facility stay if you transfer. If you're only in for two nights, they're not going to cover the skilled nursing facility costs. Medicare is not going to do it because you haven't been in for three nights. You also have to be admitted to a skilled nursing facility within a specific time frame, generally within 30 days after leaving the hospital. And the skilled nursing facility care has to be for a hospital-treated condition or a condition that arose while receiving care in the skilled nursing facility for a hospital-treated condition. It also has to be a Medicare-contracted or Medicare-participating skilled nursing facility. So word to the wise here, here's the aha moment, the sneaky little devil. If a person has original Medicare, the red, white, and blue card, as their primary insurance, and they have a Part D drug plan for the medications, and or a Medicare supplement to go with that Medicare, then they would have to be in the hospital for three nights plus a day of discharge in order to have skilled nursing facility care paid for by Medicare. And with the Medicare supplement, by the way, it covers Medicare covered charges. So if a, a skilled nursing facility stay is not covered by Medicare, neither will a Medicare supplement cover it. This is one of those aha moments. So if that person is in the hospital admitted as an inpatient and the doctor's talking to them after only two nights about going to skilled nursing, have them talk to the doctor and let him know that they have original Medicare and that they need to stay in for a third night in order for Medicare to cover their skilled nursing facility stay. Most doctors will find a way for them to stay in that one extra night, okay? And as an agent, you really should make your client aware of that aha moment or that possibility that they would need to ask that doctor to stay in an extra night or two. So let's talk about Medicare Part B. So this is your medical insurance coverage. This is for outpatient services like doctor office visits, labs, x-rays, uh, medical and surgical services and supplies, durable medical equipment, preventative services like flu shots and pneumonia shots, and even diabetic testing supplies. All of that is covered by Part B Medicare, even 
emergency room and ambulance is covered by Part B Medicare. What's not covered by Part A and Part B Medicare is long-term care. As I said earlier, they don't pay for long-term care or custodial care. Medicare also doesn't pay for routine dental care. They don't pay for dentures. They don't pay for cosmetic surgery. Doesn't pay for acupuncture. It doesn't even pay for hearing aids or exams to fit hearing aids. Worst of all, Medicare does not pay for vision exams or eyeglasses. I don't know about you, but I don't know anybody over age 65 who doesn't wear glasses. Medicare doesn't cover it. So most people, because of the fact that Medicare doesn't cover all costs and Medicare doesn't cover some of these items, most people want something to go with their Medicare. And Medicare Part B does have costs. <clears throat> and here's the cost for most people. So first of all, Medicare Part B has a yearly deductible, not a benefit period deductible like Part A does. It actually has a yearly deductible. And for 2022, that's $233. So if you go to the doctor, very beginning of the year, that $233 has to come out of your pocket, the first 233. And then Medicare will pay 80% of a covered charge and you'll pay the other 20%. Note that I said of a covered charge. If it's not covered by Medicare, you're not gonna pay 80%. Plan's not gonna pay 80%. You're not gonna pay 20%. You're gonna be 100% if it's not a Medicare covered charge. So you have that to think about. If the provider accepts assignment, meaning that they will accept what Medicare's capitated rate is. If they don't accept Medicare's capitated rate or assignment, but they will bill Medicare, they can actually charge up to 15% more than what Medicare's capitated rate is. Hmm, interesting. You'll also pay zero for some preventative services like your annual wellness exam and your um, uh, flu shots and pneumonia shots and so on, and a well woman exam and well man exam. 20% coinsurance is also what's required for outpatient mental health services and co-payments for hospital outpatient services. Medicare will pay 80%, you pay the other 20%. And again, there's no annual maximum amount of pocket for original Medicare. Can't say that enough, you guys. And what you pay in 2022 for the Medicare Part B premium, well, the standard Part B premium for 2022 is $170.10. However, it can and will be higher depending on a person's income. How do they determine that? Well, the monthly Part B standard premium income-related Medicare adjustment amount for 2022. They actually look at the adjusted gross income that you reported on your tax returns two years prior to see what you need to pay for that current year. So for 2022, if a person has an individual tax return showing adjusted gross income of 91,000 or less, or they're a married couple filing a joint tax return and their income jointly was $182,000 or less, they're gonna pay that standard premium of 170.10. Now, if they are an individual and their adjusted gross income is 91,000 and a penny up to 114,000 or a married couple filing a joint tax return, of 182,000 and a penny up to 228,000, they're going to pay $238.10. If you're a married couple, that's for each of you. So that's $68 more than the standard rate. 
And as you can see, that goes up according to that uh, frame of dollars that you have the increase for, all the way up to $500,000. If somebody's at above $500,000, like Warren Buffett, for example, Warren Buffett pays $578.30 a month for his Medicare Part B. Now, if a person is married and they file a separate tax, tax return, they're penalized. Look at this, that third column. Yep, if you're married, but you're filing separate tax returns and your income is between 91,000 and a penny and 409,000, you're gonna pay that higher amount of 544.30. If you were at 190,000 as a married couple and you filed jointly, you wouldn't pay 544.30 each, you'd pay 238.10 each. Makes a big difference. I call that the separate tax return penalty because you have to pay it that way. So again, we've, we've discovered that Medicare doesn't pay for everything. We've also discovered that there is no annual maximum out of pocket for Medicare. So people do wanna have something to go with it. And there's two, two choices that you have. The first one is to have original Medicare, the red, white, and blue card be your primary insurance and have a Medigap or Medicare supplement policy plan, as they call it. <clears throat> and that is where it's gonna do exactly what that name implies. It's gonna supplement some or all of the deductibles and co-insurance and co-pays that Medicare leaves for you to pay. The does have a premium and it's going to be determined by which plan, Medicare supplement plan you choose. The standardized Medicare supplement plans go from plan A through plan N. There goes the alphabet again. And it will pay some or all of those extra copays and so on based on which plan you get. Plan G is in George is gonna be the most comprehensive. In addition to that though, it does not pay for Part D medications. So you're gonna to have to also add a Part D prescription drug plan, a separate standalone one. So you're gonna have three cards you're gonna have three premiums, but you're gonna have flexible coverage. You can go to any doctor, anywhere in the country actually, as long as they accept Medicare. Now, the other choice you have is a Medicare Advantage plan, also known as Medicare Part C. And that's where you're going to choose a private insurance company for that Medicare Advantage plan. And your Medicare Part A and Part B services are going to be assigned to that private insurance company, like. United Healthcare or Blue Shield or Anthem or Humana or Aetna and so on. And you're gonna choose a primary care physician and that primary care physician is going to refer you to specialists within that network. Now, in the case of a Medicare Advantage HMO, you must go to your specialist in that network or if you get a referral outside of the network, you do have to have that referral. If it's a Medicare Advantage PPO, then you will have to um, know that you, if you go in the network, you're going to pay a lot less out of your pocket than if you go out of the network. But you do have the choice of going out of the network if you have a Medicare Advantage PPO. So with that, um, you're going to have the convenience of one card because it's also going to give you drug coverage and it's going to give you some extras. But you'll have one card. You want to put your Medicare card where you won't lose it, keep it in a safe place, whether it's your desk drawer, your purse, your wallet, or what have you. Um, but you're not going to show that card. You're just going to show this one Medicare Advantage card when you go to the doctor, the hospital, the pharmacy, and so on. And 
you still have to pay the Medicare Part B premium, but many times, especially here in California, you're not going to have a premium for the Medicare Advantage plan if it's an HMO or if it's a PPO um, below monthly premium. Um, and that's not in all counties, but you can expect to pay zero or low premiums for Medicare Advantage HMOs. <clears throat> so you have those two choices, you guys. And I will say that the Medicare Advantage plans do have very low annual maximum out-of-pockets to them. So uh, keep that in mind. Your 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 uh, clients and your yourselves, you have those choices that you can make. So let's talk about original Medicare a little bit deeper. It provides your Part A and or Part B coverage. You can see any doctor or hospital that accepts Medicare and bills Medicare. Uh, you would pay, though, a Part B premium. Part A is usually premium-free. And you also pay deductibles, coinsurances, and copayments, as we were talking about. Uh, you'll get a regular Medicare summary notice when you go to the doctor and the facilities and so on, showing how much you were billed and how much you paid. And you can also join a Part D plan that adds drug coverage for you. But Medicare does not cover everything. Original Medicare, just a red, white, and blue card, if that's all you have, does not cover everything. And again, if you have original Medicare and a Medicare supplement, the supplement is only going to help pay for Medicare covered charges. So in the case of that skilled nursing facility where you had to be in the hospital as an inpatient for the first three nights and plus a day of discharge for it to be paid for by Medicare, well, if you only in for two nights and Medicare doesn't pay for it, neither will the Medicare supplement. It's just something that you've got to be made aware of as well as making your client aware of that. So let's talk about Medicare supplement insurance. Uh, these are Medigap policies. They're, they're private health insurance companies that uh, offer those. They supplement original Medicare, as we were talking about. You have to have both Medicare Part A and Part B to get a Medigap policy. It does help pay some health care costs that original Medicare doesn't cover called coverage gaps. You know, that 20% that they leave for you to pay, that's what that, that Medicare supplement is going to help you with paying some or all of it. Medicare will pay its share of the Medicare approved amounts for the covered healthcare cost, and then your Medigap plan is gonna pay its share. And a Medigap policy covers one person. There is no such thing as a husband-wife policy. There might be household discounts for two people living in the same household, but there is no husband-wife policy or family policy for Medicare supplements. Now we're going to talk about Medicare prescription drug coverage. <clears throat> this is arguably the most confusing things um, for people who are turning 65 because it's vastly different from the under 65 insurance, vastly different from employer group health plan insurance and how drugs are covered. So Part D is Medicare drug plans that are approved by Medicare. They're run by private insurance companies like United Healthcare, WellCare, Anthem, uh, Blue Shield, Humana, and so on. And they're available to everyone with Medicare. There's no medical underwriting. You just have to have Medicare Part A or Part B or both. But you do have to join a plan to get the coverage. They don't just throw it on you unless you qualify for extra help with Part D. And there's two ways to get coverage for Medicare Part D drugs. One is for you to have a separate standalone Medicare prescription drug plan, or PDP as they call it. The other way is to have a Medicare health plan, like a Medicare Advantage HMO or Medicare Advantage PPO, 
that includes prescription drug coverage. Pretty nice. You can have all that convenience of one card. <clears throat> now, there are prescription drug plan costs that vary by plan. And in 2022, most people are going to have this standard Part D structure. And that's going to involve a monthly premium, a yearly deductible, <clears throat> if it's applicable, co-payments or co-insurance for the medications, 25% co-insurance for covered brand name drugs when they're, when they're in the coverage gap or the donut hole, and 25% uh, co-insurance for covered generic medications that are in the coverage gap or the donut hole. And then very little after spending $7,050 out of their pocket in true out-of-pocket costs. And I'll go over those little nuances in just a moment. There's also a Part D, late enrollment penalty. So there's a higher premium if you wait to enroll in Part D and go 63 days or longer without any Part D coverage when you could have had it. There's exceptions if you had other creditable coverage like an employer group health plan or extra help with Part D. That you would not have a late enrollment penalty if that was the case. Now, you would pay this penalty for as long as you have coverage. So it's a lifetime penalty just like the late enrollment penalty for Part B as in boy. And it's based on 1% of the base beneficiary premium. So the, the base average in the US for Part D drug plans, which in 2022 is $33.37. So they actually round it up. They're gonna, you're gonna pay $33, 1% rather of $33.37 as the late enrollment penalty. And you might say, well, Judy, that's only 33.4 cents. That's not very much. Well, no, but if you go 10 months without other credible coverage before you get your Part D, that's going to be 10 times the 33 dollars and 33 I'm sorry, 33.4 cents. So now you're at three dollars and 34 cents. But let's say 20 months goes by. Well, now you're at six dollars and 68 cents and that's a lifetime penalty and it keeps going up every year because the base beneficiary premium keeps going up every year so that's for each full month that you were eligible and not enrolled if 63 days goes by without other credible coverage and those amounts do change every year so let's look at part d as a standard structure for 2022 because just like medicare there is a standard structure so in this example, Mrs. Smith joined a prescription drug plan and her coverage began January 1st of 2022. She doesn't get extra help with Part D and she uses her Medicare prescription drug plan membership card when she buys prescriptions. So she's got a standalone Part D drug plan and she pays a monthly premium throughout the year to have this Part D prescription drug plan. So first of all, there's a yearly deductible phase. So if your plan has a yearly deductible, you got to get through that first, which means that Mrs. Smith is going to pay the first $480 of her drug costs before her plan starts to pay its share. That's the deductible for 2022. Now, if you look at the bottom, 2023, the deductible is going to be $505. It's going up 25 bucks. So let's say that she takes Advair. Advair has an actual cost of $360. You know, it's that purple discus that people with asthma or COPD use to keep their lungs open. So she goes to fill that prescription at the, at the pharmacy. She's going to have to pay that full $360 cost of the Advair out of her pocket. 
Second month, she goes to get a refill, and now she's going to pay that remainder of the $480 deductible. So she had $120 left to that, so she's going to pay $120 plus the copay for the Advair. And that's a tier three for most plans. So you might be looking at $47 or $50 for a copay. So she's going to pay the $120 remainder of her deductible plus, let's say, a $50 copay. Okay. Now the third month when she goes to the pharmacy, she's going to have a $50 copay because she's already gone through the deductible. But wait, there's another consideration here. There's also this threshold to get into the coverage gap. And the way you get to the coverage gap is by having the actual cost of your medications reach $4,430 in 2022, whenever that happens. So you know that $360 actual cost, think of an imaginary bucket that says actual cost on it. And when she paid that deductible of 360 the first time, that's gonna go into that imaginary bucket. Second month, the extra $120 plus the 50 is going to go into that imaginary bucket plus the amount that the insurance company paid. But the entire cost of the $360 for the Advair is going to go into that bucket. So think about the math here. In about 11 months, she's probably going to hit the $4,430 actual cost. When that happens, she's then going to move into the coverage gap or donut hole, as they also call it. And in that donut hole period of time, she's now not going to pay $360 for you know, the actual cost. She's not going to pay the $50 for a copayment. Instead, she's going to pay 25% of the plan's cost for a covered brand name prescription drug. So she's going to pay 25% of the $360, which is going to be $90. And then the manufacturer of the Advair is going to pay 70% of that as a discount to the patient. It's not really a discount to the patient, is it? It's a discount to the insurance company. But that being said, they're going to pay that discount, and then the insurance company is going to pay the remainder 5%. For generic medications, while they're in the coverage gap, they're also going to pay 25% of the plan's cost for the covered generic medications. And now you got to think of a whole new bucket, a new bucket called true out-of-pocket costs. So if you think about it, that first $480 deductible, that was out of her pocket. So that $480 is going to go into this imaginary bucket called out-of-pocket costs. When she was in this um, copayment phase and she paid $50 copayment, that's also going to go into that out-of-pocket bucket. And in the coverage gap, 25% that she pays for the generics or for the brand medications, that's going to go into the out-of-pocket bucket. But so too will the 70% that the drug manufacturer pays as a discount to the patient for that brand medication. So that 70% is also going to go into the out-of-pocket bucket. And when that out-of-pocket bucket reaches $7,050, then the coverage gap ends and now, in this catastrophic coverage phase, they're going to pay the greater of $3.95 or 5% of the actual cost for generic medications or $9.85 or 5% of actual cost, whichever is greater, for brand name covered drugs. And that's all going to go on until the end of the year. 
Now in 2023, the threshold to get to the coverage gap is going up to $4,660 and the um, true out-of-pocket costs to get to the catastrophic coverage phase is going to go up to $7,400 and the co-pays in that catastrophic phase will be $4.15 for generics, $10.35 for the brand name medications or 5%, whichever is greater. So as you can see, costs still go up every year. And this is important to note that once they hit the end of the year, everything resets again. You can do you and your client a huge favor and talk about generic medications because most people, matter of fact, it's eight out of nine people never hit the coverage gap or the donut hole. You wanna know why? Well, it's because most people are now taking generic medications. So taking generic medications, if they work for the patient, can keep them out of that coverage gap and catastrophic coverage phases as well. Just a word to the wise. Now, there's other ways that plans manage access to prescription drugs. First of all, there's something called prior authorization, and that's where a doctor has to contact the plan for prior approval and show medical necessity before it's gonna be covered. Step therapy is where the person needs to try a similar, less expensive drug like a generic. And if it doesn't work for them, then they or their doctor can request an exception if that lesser expensive drug didn't work or step therapy um, is medically necessary. And then quantity limits. These are where the plan can limit drug quantities over a period of time for safety or cost like um, opioids, you know, those are um, usually gonna have a quantity limit and for safety factors. Um, narcotics also usually have a quantity limit, but let's say that the usual customary is one pill per day, but the doctor says, you know, you really need two pills per day for your issues. Then the doctor can request an exception if that additional quantity is medically necessary. <clears throat> So let's talk about formularies. Formulary is just a fancy name for a list of prescription drugs that's covered by the plan. And um, they could have tiers that cost different amounts. So for example, here's a tier structure example for the standard uh, plan. Tier one is gonna be the lowest copay because it's a preferred generic, very widely prescribed lower cost meds. Tier two is usually a slightly higher copay because these are your non-preferred generics. Maybe they're generic, but they're newer to the market. Tier three is gonna be a medium copay. These are your preferred brand medications. They're brand meds, but they might be more widely prescribed. And tier four is your larger copay. These are non-preferred brand medications, usually newer to the market. Um, and then tier five is gonna be the highest coinsurance. These are unique, very high cost medications like oral chemotherapy medications, injectables for multiple sclerosis or leukemia and so on. Then there's also a tier six. It varies by plan. Not every plan has tier six. If it does, that would be no copay or a very small copay for select care drugs like atorvastatin or metformin. You know, very widely prescribed generic meds would be in a tier six. So I think it's important to note that again, you know, there can be a medication that's in one plan as a tier three, but in another plan it might be a tier four. Be aware of that. That's why we want you to do an analysis of their medications when somebody is first talking to you. Medicare Advantage plans, again, are called Part C. 
they're also run by private insurance companies. They're, they're called Part C sometimes, and but most of the time they're called Medicare Advantage plans. And this is where you're going to receive services through the plan, all of the Part A and Part B covered services, and then some plans may also provide additional benefits like vision, hearing, dental, and so on. Uh, most plans also include prescription drug coverage, but you may have to use network doctors and hospitals. And they also may differ from original Medicare. Now, the benefits have to cover at least the same as Medicare, but a lot of times they might have lower cost sharing or they may also give you those extras that we were talking about. And Medicare Advantage plans uh, do have costs. So you still have to pay the Part B Medicare premium. That does not go away. But if you qualify for state assistance, like a qualified Medicare beneficiary program, that could pay for that Part B premium for you. You also have to pay a plan, um, an additional monthly premium in a lot of cases. But in some cases, especially here in Southern California, we have so many plans out there that are a zero monthly premium. If the Medicare Advantage PPO, it generally will have a higher premium. They also will have um, deductibles, co-insurance, co-payments, and so on. They may be different from original Medicare, and they do vary from plan to plan. Might also be higher if you go out of network. So who can join a Medicare Advantage plan? Well, there's eligibility requirements for that. You have to have Part A and Part B and live in the plan service area. By the way, you can only belong to one Medicare Advantage plan at a time. If you then enroll in another one, they will kick you out of that previous one that you had. And when can you enroll in or switch Medicare Advantage plans? Well, first, during that initial enrollment period for your Medicare, that's also the time that you can sign up for a Medicare Advantage plan or a Part D plan. And uh, if you have Medicare due to Social Security disability, same thing. During that seven-month period that begins three months before the 25th month of disability, um, up to three months after the 25th month of Social Security disability, a person can also enroll into a Medicare Advantage plan to go with the Medicare can also enroll in or change Medicare Advantage coverage during the annual enrollment period. That's October 15th through December 7th. Seven wild and woolly weeks where you can make changes. Medicare agents do about 60% of their business during this annual enrollment period each year. And if you enroll somebody during that period of time, the coverage will take effect January 1st. So there may also be special enrollment periods for Medicare Advantage plans. So for example, if somebody moves out of the plan service area, that gives them a special enrollment period. If the plan leaves the Medicare program or reduces its service area, that's also a special enrollment period. If a person leaves their employer group or union coverage plans or loses their employer or union coverage, they also have a special enrollment period. If they enter into a long-term care facility or live in one or leave one, that gives them a special election period as well. If somebody has other exceptional circumstances, and there's a whole list of them, then they may also have a special enrollment period. A person who has Medi-Cal or Medicaid or has extra help with Part D, also known as a low-income subsidy, has a quarterly special enrollment period if they qualify for those programs. When can a person leave a Medicare Advantage plan? Well, during this open enrollment period of January 1st to March 31st, they can make a one-time change to a different Medicare Advantage plan, or they can leave the Medicare Advantage plan and go back to original Medicare and join a separate standalone Part D drug plan. 
coverage would begin the first day of the month after the switch. But most important to note is they may be able to buy a Medigap or Medicare supplement plan to go with it, but there may be medical underwriting and they may not qualify. Just had to let you know. Now, what's extra help? Well, that's a program to help people pay for Medicare prescription drug costs. It's also called the low income subsidy. So people who have the lowest income and resources would qualify for something like that. And if they qualify, they would pay no premiums or deductibles and small or no co-payments for their meds. If they have slightly higher income and resources and don't qualify for the full uh, low income subsidy, then they may pay a reduced deductible a little more out of pocket in order to have the next level up. But there's no coverage gap or late enrollment penalty if a person qualifies for extra help with Part D. So it can definitely save them a lot of money. And the age-old question, should a person be on Medicare or stay on their employer coverage? Should I stay or should I go? Well, Medicare um, doesn't cover everything, as you know, but if a person um, is still working past age 65, it's definitely necessary to understand the primary and secondary coverage. That's essential for employers and employees to understand. So if an employer has less than 20 employees, Medicare is going to be the primary insurance and the employer coverage is secondary. So if that employer states that the person needs to have, the employee needs to have Medicare as primary, then you have to get it. Otherwise, they don't have to cover you. The member needs to enroll in Medicare and failing to enroll can trigger penalties because at that point, it's not going to be creditable coverage if they don't cover you. Now, if the employer has 20 or more employees, then employer coverage is primary and Medicare is secondary. You don't even have to have Medicare. However, you could have Medicare along with the employer coverage and it would just be secondary payer. In addition to that though, a person may find that they're paying so much out of their uh, payroll deduction every other week that they want to drop out of that employer drug, uh, excuse me, employer group plan and get their Medicare and then have something else to go with it, even though they're still gonna be working. So the member has the choice to enroll in Medicare or not while they're still employed. And if you ever have any questions about that, obviously you can talk to Margarita Slater. You can also give me a call if you'd like to. So if you do have questions, follow-up questions, feel free to give me a call at 888-745-2320. Uh, uh, then dial in extension 7136. You can also email me, judy at berwickinsurance.com. If you do not currently offer Medicare and you would like to as a Dickerson agent, I encourage you to, and please do reach out to Margarita Slater there at Dickerson, and she will help to get you contracted through Berwick Insurance. We are Dickerson's partner for Medicare, offering Medicare plans. So Natalie, um, do we have some questions? Yes, we have three questions. Well, okay. maybe the first one is, what about if they are not eligible for Part A and have an individual plan? Well, if they have an individual plan and they're not eligible for Part A, and I'm going to guess that you mean not eligible for free Part A, they have uh, two choices. First of all, um, if they don't qualify for Medi free Medicare Part A, um, obviously they can 
um, you know, stay on that individual plan if they want to, but they can pay for their Medicare Part A, you know, it's just not going to be free, pay for their Medicare Part B, and then get a Medicare Advantage plan to go with it. And many times it's a lot less expensive at age 65 than um, the marketplace insurance or, or Obamacare. Next question. What if the person is over the age of 65, not eligible for Part A, and maintain individual coverage through Cover California? Is that still considered creditable coverage? Well, first of all, if you already have, uh, or excuse me, if you don't have um, the Covered California and you're turning 65, you cannot enroll in Covered California. You have to get your Medicare. But let's say that you don't qualify for your um, Medicare for whatever reason, and you already have the Covered California plan, you can stay on it. But if you're already on a Medicare, um, excuse me, a Covered California uh, individual plan, and you are eligible for Medicare, um, they will disenroll you from Covered California after, I believe it's 60 or 90 days. And then you definitely have to get your Medicare, whether you pay for it or not. So uh, it just depends on your individual circumstance or your client's individual circumstance. But it's it's only creditable if they continue to offer it to you. Who is eligible for LIS? So a person's eligible for LIS if they have less than fifteen hundred and sixty dollars in income per month, and they have less than uh, sixteen thousand eight hundred dollars in um, assets. Um, although um, those assets are going up. So, um, but if you have less than $1,560 in monthly income, you can qualify for the extra help or LIS. And um, it's very simple to apply for that on the socialsecurity.gov website. Well, this, um, this might've been connected to the previous question asked. Mm -hmm. um, it's a follow-up question is, will they still pay the 10% late enrollment penalty? So if it was determined that you could have had the Medicare coverage and you didn't get it and you didn't have any other credible uh, coverage, then yes, you would pay that 10% penalty once a full 12 months goes by. That's the key. Try to get your Medicare before the full 12 months goes by and you won't get a late enrollment penalty if you didn't have any other credible coverage. What if a person is turning 65 and will continue to work? The employer has 65 plus employees. Does a person sign up for Part B only? Um, actually, no. So if they have more than 20 employees, and in this case, in this example, you're saying that they do, um, number one, they don't have to get their Medicare because Medicare is secondary. Um, they will not have a late enrollment penalty because they have employer group health coverage based on current active employment, and that is um, the, the scenario. So um, you wouldn't have a late enrollment penalty. But what a person does have to look at is how much is their portion of the premium? How much are they paying out of their payroll deduction every other week for their group health insurance? 
And if it's just them, they don't have to worry about a spouse or a dependent. I would dare say that most of the time, employers nowadays do not pay more than the 50% minimum that they're required to pay by law for the group health insurance. So you may find if you do a proper analysis that it would benefit the employee, even though they're still working, to drop out of the employer group health plan, get their Medicare, and uh, then get a plan to go with it. Awesome, it looks like that's the end of our questions and we're a little bit past the three o'clock time. But once again, um, thank you everyone for joining us this afternoon. I know it's a little bit later in the afternoon than we usually do these things, but thank you everyone for coming. Um, we're gonna post a link to this webinar on our website within the next 24 to 48 hours. And of course, I personally will send everyone a copy of the deck within the next 24 to 48 hours coming from my email, Natalie Cole. So please be on the lookout for that. Um, but of course, if you have any questions regarding Medicare, um, please talk to Judy Daniels. She is the expert. I am not. If you are looking for an in-house person, in-house, I mean Dickerson in-house, we have Margarita Slater, like Judy mentioned earlier. So if you have any questions about Medicare, once again, talk to either Judy Daniels or Margarita Slater, Margarita Slater in Dickerson Insurance. Um, but that being said, thank you so much, Judy, for an amazing, informative presentation, like always. And thank you, everyone, for joining us. And have a wonderful rest of your week. Tomorrow's Wednesday, so hopefully the week goes by fast. Okay, bye-bye. Bye, everyone.